Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. With the NCAA's Board of Governors in Atlanta today to discuss basically the future of the college sports model, we will ask Roddy Jones if he felt exploited, or did he get a fair trade, or should the system be tweaked, or remodeled entirely in his eyes. We're, of course, going to pick his brain on the upcoming weekend in college football. Nationally, number eight Georgia takes on number six Florida in Jacksonville. They're both one-loss resumes, but high in the rankings. Closer to home, we have, man, it's like a trifecta for Roddy Jones of ESPN and the ACC Network. There is NC State at Wake on ESPN proper at noon. The 6-1 and one Deacons have a chance at one of the best years in school history. The Wolfpack is turning to their third starting quarterback. Redshirt freshman Devin Leary will get the start against the Deeks. Then you have on ABC, Miami at FSU. And then on the ACC Network, UVA at UNC on Saturday night with Coastal Division supremacy, at least temporarily, at stake. Roddy, that's a heck of a lineup, man. Before we get to the games, I know you're a proud graduate of Georgia Tech and a great representative of that fine institution, too, in my eyes. Uh, what did you think about the trade that you got? And are you a believer that with the money being so big today, that even if you, what you got was fair, uh, more third-party money and more free market access is the right way to go for the future of college sports. Well, uh, I, I'll say I think the trade I got uh, was fair. I mean, I knew what I was signing up for. I knew that in return uh, for my services on the football field, which the school and the academic or the athletic association was going to make money from, um, it was it was the onus was on me to take advantage of it and, and get my money's worth for it. So, uh, had I not gone to Georgia Tech, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, it afforded me an incredible education and an opportunity to to eventually uh, earn a living uh, talking about sports, talking about college football. So, so I certainly am not upset about the deal that I got. That being said, uh, I think the second part of what you said is is very pertinent to the way I feel because this is an ever-evolving thing. We need to continuously look at the money involved in sports, whether or not this stuff is fair, uh, whether or not the, the, the rules that we are governed by are antiquated enough to make changes. So I, I am a fan of the way this is going with, with the amount of money and access these guys have, uh, the amount of money that they can make simply off of social media. I mean, when, when, you, when you have a player that's getting recruited, that comes with tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and Twitter. And as a normal individual, you can monetize that and make some money to have, you know, so you can do whatever. Um, as, a, as an individual on a, uh, on a college sports team, you are not allowed to make money. And, and we've seen cases like that before. There was a kicker at Kansas that, you know, made money off the YouTube channel that would have been declared ineligible had he continued to, to monetize that. So he had to choose, uh, and he obviously chose, uh, chose YouTube. So I, I, I like the way this is going with the name, image, and likeness. It's also a way for the NCAA to get away from actually paying the athletes. Yeah. Um, but it's a good step in the right direction. I want to ask you one follow-up because you're such seriously a young guy who, I mean, it was, I think, eight years ago where we were watching you play for Georgia Tech as a team captain, you know, tuning in on a Saturday or whatever. So you are truly, you know, a modern college athlete, and I want you to help me with some of these details because it's often lost in the conversation. In the evolution you just described, help me out here, I don't think you had – 
the cost of attendance adjustment, which has been described as like $1,000 a month at some schools in cash for you at walking around money. And I, I also don't think that you have had um, the full access to some of the other tweaks over the years, like unlimited meals, et cetera. Has it changed that much just in those eight years? That is absolutely correct. Um, I, the, the stipend, the, the cost of attendance stipend came, I believe, two years after I got done. Okay. The unlimited meals may have been a year after. Um, but, yeah, we were restricted in what, what could be offered to us, when it could be offered to us. Um, the fact that, you know, the, uh, now I go to Georgia Tech and there's a nutrition bar that's open constantly that people can just swing by and pick up food um, is it, it, crazy. It's, it's completely different. You know, we were restricted by uh, the meal plan that, that, the, that the school paid for us for, which meant if, you know, if you had uh, 20 or 21 meals over the course of a week, if you swiped and there were no meals left on your card, you had to go find somebody who had meals left on their card. Uh-huh. Go and, you could go and eat or you're going off campus. So. So, yes, it's come a long way just in the time that I – and you're right, 2011 was my last year. It's come a really long way since then, and it will continue to evolve. I like the way this is going. And I think a lot of the reason that we're seeing it go this way is because of social media. It's because these athletes are telling their stories. And not only that, but we've seen, uh, obviously, lawmakers start to take uh, start to take some of these issues on. And when the, 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 uh, the, the momentum behind this, on social media is so overwhelming on one side, like, hey, this is the right thing to do. Let's go ahead and do it. I think it forces the hand of these university presidents and athletic directors. I see Georgia Tech-style numbers floating around when I ask you this next question in jest. There are 65,536 possible end-of-season standings uh, in the Coastal Division of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Roddy Jones, please break down all 65,536 of those here on the David Glenn Show. Is is it that crazy? Is it that crazy? Do you even see favorites among those seven teams? Because sixty five thousand plus is a lot of possibilities uh, here as the calendar is about to turn to November. Yeah, uh, it, that is a ton, and none of them is outside of the realm of possibility. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you. It's, you know, I, I was I was kind of joking around uh, yesterday with the scenario where you could get a tie, a three-way tie at the top of the Coastal Division at 5-3 and three, in a scenario where uh, Pitt has beat Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech has beat Virginia, Virginia has beat Pitt, and you just keep going around in that little circle. And if you want to throw Miami in there, you could probably find a circle in that one where everybody right. sees each other. So um, it, it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing. You know, to, to me, um, I look at Virginia, and they are probably still a slight favorite to me because uh, obviously, they've already got victories over. Um, they, they got a victory over Pitt. They got a victory over Miami as well. Um, excuse me, they lost to Miami, but they've got a victory over Pitt. Uh, so, so when you when you look at when you look at the teams that are up there at the top that are going to contend for this thing, uh, I, I think uh, I think Virginia is probably the one that stands out. Now, all that could change this weekend. I, I'm not sure they match up that well against against UNC, if UNC is able to challenge them down the field uh, with their receivers, because they've got incredible receivers with great speed. I don't love the speed of this Virginia secondary, but can North Carolina protect long enough for Sam Howell to get those passes off? Can they run the ball well enough to do what they did last week on a week against Duke, where they didn't hit a lot of those plays deep, but they hit enough of them 
it was really the run game that carried him for most of the game. Uh, I don't know. Now, Virginia can't block anybody up front. Bryce Perkins is under constant siege, and apparently he's hurt. So uh, who knows, man? You know, you know, look at Pitt and the egg they laid last week against Miami. Um, you look at Miami and the way they played uh, last week against against uh, against um, uh, a really good Pitt team and earlier in the year against Virginia. I, you know, you could slice this way seven ways, slice this thing seven ways. I think Virginia's probably the favorite, but not by much. No, it's it's a crazy coastal. For those who can't picture it, Virginia and UNC are three and two in conference play, and that leads the division. But Virginia Tech and Pitt are two and two, so same in the loss column. Duke and Miami are only two and three, and somehow if they would win three straight, they'd be in the mix at five and three. Georgia Tech is at the bottom for now at one and three, but has already shown the Yellow Jackets uh, can jump up and bite somebody as well. It is nothing like what I grew up with and maybe even what you grew up with, but when Miami meets Florida State here in 2019, it still will be on ABC. That's 3.30 this coming Saturday. Well, you know the deal. I get asked all the time uh, when I'm kind of representing the ACC Sports Journal and ACCSports.com as a radio guest, which of the sleeping giants who have won national titles in the past are going to awaken, and how long will it take? We know neither Miami nor Florida State is great this year, but if you think of that bigger picture, Roddy, which of those two do you think has the best chance of just making a run at becoming, say, a top 10 program again, uh, much less, you know, chasing a national title. This is this is amazing to say um, because five years ago, I think, uh, well, not I think, five years ago, Florida State was there. Um, but yeah. right now, Miami is closer. Uh, I think uh, they have the quarterback on the team that can be a top-tier quarterback in the ACC in Jaron Williams. They have a, a solid base of talent when you look on defense with, with Greg Rousseau and, and uh, when, you, when you look in the secondary with guys like, like Bubba Bolden, you can see playmakers on that defense that even when Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney leave, next year Zach McLeod is back and possibly Trajan Bandy and John Garvin, you could have a group of guys that are really, really talented and then flip over to the offensive side of the football they're young on the, in the uh, on the offensive line, so they'll continue to develop another year. Next year and the year after, wide receiver will be a little bit of a question mark, but you've got the quarterback and you've got a couple of running backs. DJ Dallas, just a junior, if he comes back next year, then you're looking at a guy that could be one of the top backs in the ACC. If he's not, then it's Cameron Harris and, and whoever they have uh, that could bring it in. So you look at Miami, and they are closer. Florida State's still got questions. Do they have the quarterback position figured out? I, I don't know. If you tell me it's Alex Hornibrook, I'll say sure. If you tell me it's James Blackman, I'll say sure. But Hornibrook's gone next year anyway. So so they've got to figure out the quarterback position. Uh, when you look at the offensive line, I think Miami's closer because they're young and you can excuse some of their mistakes because of youth. I think there's a lack of depth there at, my, at Florida State. Um, and then, look, it, Cam Akers is gone after this year. Tamarion Terry, very possibly gone after this year. So you're going to have to answer a lot of questions on the offensive side. Uh, you look on defense, their best player, Marvin Wilson, has gone next year. Uh, uh, very possible. I mean, he, he could come back. He's, he's got eligibility left, but I don't see a scenario where he's not a second, third-round pick. And I think that would him enough to leave. So uh, I look at Miami as being closer 
um, you know, we'll see. Uh, all that can change, obviously. You know, if they get a great – if Florida State gets a great transfer in or if all of a sudden they take a huge step on the offensive line. They've got talent. Both of these schools do. Florida State's recruited at a higher level than Miami over the past, you know, five years. But some of that talent hasn't panned out. Some of it's uh, matriculated out of the program. Uh, and some of it just has been a pure-on miss. So uh, Miami right now is closer to me. It's crazy, as whereas in some years past, it felt like there were national championships repercussions on the line when Miami and Florida State played each other. They're each 4-4 four and four going into Saturday afternoon's okay. matchup, so the loser has a losing record and is maybe scratching and clawing just to get into a bowl game. The mighty have fallen. His name is Roddy Jones. Catch him on Sirius XM on the radio side, ACC Network, and ESPN, of course, on the TV side, formerly of Georgia Tech, now an outstanding college football analyst. Thanks for the visit, man. Keep up the good work. Always a pleasure, DJ. Thanks for having me. Right back at you. Roddy Jones on Twitter is at Roddy Jones 20. That's the old uniform number, at Roddy Jones 20. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. We are discussing the future of the NCAA. We also have NFL headlines, Panthers and beyond. The legendary Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, changed his tune earlier today, might have been late yesterday, on how long he would like to coach he had once written in a book and said publicly that 70 was a threshold that he did not see himself surpassing. Well, he's not quite there yet, but here in 2019, I mean, what's the old saying? 70 is the new 50 or something like that? I don't know. I'm not near that number yet. But Jim Beheim at Syracuse on the college basketball side is 75. Mike Krzyzewski is in his early 70s. Roy Williams at Carolina is not far from 70. Uh, there are prominent college football coaches in and around the 70 neighborhood. What about Bill Belichick late in his 60s? As remember, he just won career game number 300 over the weekend. Don Shula has 347 career wins. George Hallis, 324. They're the only two men higher on that career victories list than Belichick. Belichick is 67. Obviously, he can't possibly catch Shula unless he has changed his mind about coaching into his 70s. We'll tell you what Belichick said as we invite more of your calls on the future of the college sports model. Many fans say that if it gets too much like the pros, they're going to lose interest. They don't even watch the NBA and the NFL right now, they say. A chunk of college sports fans. Would the college sports game lose its luster if the NCAA approves what I think it's going to have to approve at least some version of, that is this third-party money, the name, image, likeness, compensation. They won't be pure pros, but they'll be more professional-like than what the long-standing century-plus college model has been with a much more limited def uh, definition of amateurism. Your thoughts on that question of the day. More on NFL Week 9, college football Week 10. Some of the biggest heavyweights are actually off this week in the college ranks. The Canes are back home and facing some familiar faces and the, Carolina, uh, the Calgary Flames tonight. The NBA last night showcased Russell Westbrook in a Rockets uniform against his longtime team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Houston got the victory and looks like one of the more dangerous teams in the NBA right now. You can chime in with your question or comment on those topics. Tonight's Game 6 in the World Series is also fair game. More of my thoughts on those headlines, the Bill Belichick update, and your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. That's next on The David Glenn Show. 
I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We have open lines for the first time in a long time. You can jump in on the World Series, the NFL, the future of the NCAA. I actually have some breaking news along those lines. College football week 10, NFL week 9. Canes are home against the Calgary Flames, who bring familiar faces, including Bill Peters, the head coach, and Elias Lindholm, who leads Calgary in goals. They both wore the Canes colors for a while. The NBA College Hoops is almost back. Your questions, comments, and answers to our question of the day about the future of college sports. Will you like it less if they take a step away from amateurism and not all the way toward professionalism, but in some kind of gray area in between? Some think they're already in that gray area, given that it's a multi-billion dollar industry and given that student athletes, as the NCAA likes to call them incessantly, Already, no doubt about it, get more now than they've ever gotten in the history of college sports. Well, the NCAA Board of Governors is meeting in Atlanta today, and they just put out a release within the last hour or so. Let me get you some of those details as we invite your calls. 1-800-849-2761. I promised you a Bill Belichick update as well, and here is that one. After writing in a book and then restating verbally since then, that 70 years old was a threshold that he thought he would never reach or exceed as an NFL head coach. Bill Belichick confirmed earlier today or late yesterday that as he has gotten older, and I can promise you that this applies to my life as well. Man, when I was 16 years old, if you were 30, I thought you were ancient. Intern Sam's probably in his early 20s. Am I ancient, Sam? You could be honest. No, he doesn't. We hang out enough that he knows I'm not ancient. All right. But when you were 16, did you think 30 was old? Yeah, he says yes. Bill Belichick is living a version of that, right? Like when you're asked a question in your 50s or you write a book then, thinking 15 or 20 years down the road, like as I sit here today, I actually have some friends in their 70s, including you know my own parents, for example, late 70s, or dad just turned 80. I have a really good friend in Chapel Hill, uh, former professor who's in his 80s and as young and vibrant as you could possibly imagine. If I think of them, I think it's not too old. If I think of just the number, I think 80 is ancient. I mean, you know, that is the over-the-hill, over-the-hill version of reality. Bill Belichick has gone through a similar circumstance. When I said it originally, he said, about not planning to coach into his 70s, maybe I didn't know what 70 felt like, he said on sports radio station WEEI in Boston. So I'm not really sure if it's an accurate statement today or not. At the time, I definitely didn't feel that way. Now, I, now that I am closer to that age... I just don't know. He is 67 years old. He's at 300 career wins. Obviously, the only way he's going to catch Don Shula, even with good years. Shula, 347 career wins. George Hallis, number two on that list with 324. Belichick now number three at 300 exactly. Even though the Patriots crank out double-digit win totals year after year after year, it's going to take a while to catch Don Shula. So if, if he was really going to stop at 70, that was not likely 
at all. Now it's a much bigger chance. It was a decade ago that in a documentary about Bill Belichick, he originally said that he just couldn't see following in Marv Levy's footsteps. Marv Levy was the Bills head coach who coached into his 70s. There aren't many examples of that in the pro sports that we follow. So now Belichick, forget that as a talking point. He can catch Don Shula. Uh, he can certainly catch George Hallis in just a couple years. And without that 70 ceiling, uh, he'd be a pretty safe bet to do so. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The Board of Governors has said that it wants to start the process to enhance name, image, and likeness opportunities for college athletes. Not many people thought that they would take this step down this road. Now, keep in mind, this is just a public relations-style release. Nothing changes tomorrow, and according to this release, nothing changes in the calendar year 2020 either. However... They did ask the various levels of the NCAA hierarchy to have working plans in place by at the latest January of 2021. So that's what, almost a year and a half away from now. At the latest, the Board of Governors says you three different levels of college sports, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. They're not asking for a cookie-cutter proposal. They want three different proposals. It's about making that third-party money, as we've discussed with our question of the day. Specifically, the Board of Governors meeting in Atlanta today said it wants more modernization to occur with these principles and guidelines in play. Student-athletes should be treated similarly to non-athlete students unless a compelling reason exists to differentiate between them. They also say that they want to maintain the priorities of education and the collegiate experience to provide opportunities for student-athlete student athlete success. They want to ensure that rules are transparent, focused, and enforceable, and facilitate fair and balanced competition. You can see the code words here that they don't want an entire revolution. They want more of a tweaking of the model. They want to enhance principles of diversity and inclusion and gender equity. They want to protect the recruiting environment and prohibit inducements to select, remain at, or transfer to a specific institution. Remember, third-party money tied to incoming athletes certainly sounds like, hey, you want me to put you on a billboard? Well, you're a pitch man. But if it's tied to you choosing a certain university, well, it's a recruiting inducement. So, of course, as I mentioned to start today's show, the NCAA was highly, highly unlikely to propose the wild, wild west. You want to take something? Go ahead and take something. They weren't going to do that. They're requesting proposals that would still allow them to monitor things, still allow them maybe, we'll see the proposals, to be an intermediary on things. But the Board of Governors chair, Michael Drake, of Ohio State said, quote, we must embrace change to provide the best possible experience for college athletes. Additional flexibility in these areas can and must continue to support college sports as part of higher education. The mo this modernization for the future is a natural extension of the numerous steps NCAA members have taken in recent years to support, to improve support for student athletes, including the full cost of attendance, and also guaranteed scholarships. We mentioned unlimited food and other things that are fairly new, if not brand new, to the college athlete. The bottom line, this is a baby step toward 
a dramatically different version of college sports, but because they don't want new rules implemented until 2021, it's only baby steps until we see the devil in those details. 1-800-849-2761. The headline is going to be, the NCAA's top decision makers voted unanimously earlier today to allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Just don't forget, it's at least a subhead, and it probably belongs with the headline itself. They continue their approval of college athletes, saying that college athletes should be allowed to profit from their name, image, and likeness. If that was the end of the story, if you didn't have to read the details, that would be a dramatic change, the one called for by the California law. The, the one called for by Mitt Romney and others at that recent congressional roundtable. But the details must include this part of the phrase as well. They have voted unanimously to allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness, dot, 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 in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. That's not a small detail. That means they're not heading down the road of the wild, wild west. That means they're not jumping all the way to semi-professionalism. That means they want it to be consistent with the collegiate model, which is undefined in today's release, but which suggests that they're not abandoning amateurism entirely. To me, it sounds professional. It's purely professional when you take money to play a basketball game. You take money to play a football game, right? That is the essence of being a professional. I'm a professional sports radio host. Well, why am I a professional? Because I'm paid to do this. If I was just doing it for a college station for free, I would not be a professional sports radio host. Well, now I did that. Now I'm a professional sports radio host. That's the essence of what is the difference between amateurism and professionalism. Taking third-party money is not the same as taking money from your university, pay-for-play purely, but it sounds semi-pro, doesn't it? Why did you get that pitch man opportunity? Why did you get that money from the video game manufacturer? Not just because you're a regular Joe. Why did you get asked to go to that autograph signing appearance? Not just because you're a dude, but because you're an athlete with a platform and assumedly a large platform and probably in a higher profile sport and probably at a major program. Again, these rules, when tweaked, will allow any athlete in any sport to make third-party money. But what is the Olympic athlete at the college level likely to get? In rare examples, if you're Olympic superstar Katie Ledecky, you know, those opportunities are enormous. If you're just another swimmer, just another tennis player, just another golfer, just another whatever, you might get no opportunities at all. So the third-party window being open for that new money, does it sound purely professional? No. Does it sound semi-professional? Yeah. You're taking money in part because of the platform that you have. How do you keep the collegiate model while allowing – pro-like money to pour in? Well, that's what they're going to investigate over the next uh, 12 to 15 months 
as the NCAA wants proposals at all three levels of college sports by January 2021 at the latest. That's the breaking news from Atlanta, where the Board of Governors met earlier today. Your phone calls, questions, and follow-ups are welcome on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. I have more on World Series Game 6. I have more on College Football Week 10. You have questions, comments, or complaints about the future of the NCAA. The NFL trade deadline is now less than 90 minutes away. And there are some big names on the move. Those updates with your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Excellent bump music today, courtesy of Charles Hadley. Darren Vaught is on assignment. We have lines open. Intern Sam, representing the University of North Carolina, will be the first voice you hear. When you dial this number, the World Series Game 6 is front and center. The NFL trade deadline is just more than 60 minutes away, and I have some info on big names that are on the move. Not many yet today. But some updates there as we welcome your calls on the future of the NCAA. The Board of Governors put out a release today saying they are open to athletes getting compensated for their name, image, and likeness. Of course, the devil is going to be in the details. They want proposals by January 2021, but the NCAA amateurism model is set for at least one more tweak. I would call this even more than a minor tweak. We'll see the details in the coming months. Your questions and comments are welcome now. College football week 10, NFL week 9, Panthers hosting the Tennessee Titans, needing a win to get to 5-3 and three at what would be their midway point of the regular season. 5-3 and three puts you in the wild card mix. If you fall to 4-4, four and four, it is a much steeper hill to climb in the NFC where Green Bay and Minnesota and New Orleans and San Francisco and Seattle and the Rams and either Dallas or Philadelphia are already making that a difficult to inv in a difficult to jump into playoff picture on that side of the bracket, 1-800-849-2761. Canes host Calgary tonight. NBA regular season action continues. Your Hornets did win their opener, but as expected, they have fallen to the bottom of the standing since then, having lost three straight. College basketball starts in earnest one week from today, and college football has a pretty impressive Week 10 lineup near and afar. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The NFL news of earlier today that we shared, Ryan Finley gets the start for the winless Cincinnati Bengals. Keep in mind, there are only 32 NFL teams. North Carolina State University, which has a pretty good argument when it wants to call itself quarterback U. Roman Gabriel was that big name from way back in the day. Uh, I'm even too young to remember him as a Wolfpack player. I did see him in the NFL for, among others, the Philadelphia Eagles, my hometown team. For a while, the Wolfpack was just like most. You occasionally produce an NFL quarterback, and sometimes they're a starting caliber quarterback, and sometimes maybe even a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. With the elevation 
of Ryan Finley above Andy Dalton to start in Cincinnati. NC State now has one-eighth of the starting quarterbacks by itself. You still have Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, who's a huge impact guy, obviously. You still have Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, who's up there with Dan Fouts as one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of that organization. You still have Jacoby Brissett, remember, elevated when Andrew Luck shocked much of the world and retired in the preseason. The Colts are a playoff contender. The Seahawks are a playoff contender. Sadly for Phillip Rivers, not so much the Chargers as he isn't getting any younger. But Ryan Finley makes it four out of 32. And remember, Mike Lennon is still on the Raiders roster, so it's not a fifth starter, but it is a fifth former Wolfpack player in the National Football League. It is not easy to break into those ranks. Keep in mind, in the history of UNC football, only Mitch Trubisky of the Bears has been a full-time starting quarterback for a long time. One quarterback from that university just down the road in the history of the program. I know T.J. Yates has started some games, et cetera, but Mitch Trubisky, the one and only example of longtime, full-time starter, and it's not exactly going great for him with the Bears right now, put that in contrast to what the Wolfpack has going, four out of the 32 current starters plus one of the backups. Uh, that backs up any recruiting paraphernalia Dave Doran would like to send out about quarterback U. They're in a predicament right now because Matthew McKay and – Bailey Hockman, this year's starters, have both lost that starting job at the college level. Redshirt freshman Devin Leary will get the start against Wake Forest on Saturday and did get the first-team practice snaps this past week in the Wolfpack's open week. That was confirmed by Dave Doran just yesterday. NC State at Wake Forest, UVA at UNC, Miami at Florida State, Virginia Tech at Notre Dame, among those in our neighborhood worth watching. App State hosts Georgia Southern on Thursday night in a national TV game as the Mountaineers try to stay undefeated against their old FCS arch rival, now a fellow resident of the Sun Belt Conference in the FBS ranks. Baylor, still undefeated, hosts West Virginia in another Thursday night game, that one on ESPN. More on that a little bit later. So the NFL trade deadline will come and go uh, within the next hour or so. On the move, and this is just not that big of a headline because it's go the, guy, the prominent player is going to a team that is going absolutely nowhere, at least this season, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, usually if you're in contention, you're a buyer. And if you're in the seller, you're a seller. That first seller would be the C seller. That next seller would be the S seller. If you're in the seller with a C, you're usually a seller with an S, not the Dolphins. The Dolphins have acquired cornerback Aqib Tlaib and a fifth-round pick from the L.A. Rams, a contender, for a conditional, conditional draft pick. That's according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Tlaib is hurt right now and was placed on IR earlier this month with fractured ribs, but he is expected to be ready to return by late in the regular season. I don't know if the Dolphins will bother with that. Maybe they're just looking forward to next season. The other bigger names were actually previously reported. Broncos got Emmanuel Sanders to add to their wideout core. Mohamed Sanu joins the Patriots to help with their wide receiver rotation. Jalen Ramsey, of course, traded to the Rams a while back, uh, a much-needed cornerback 
for that franchise, Michael Bennett, defensive end, shipped to the Dallas Cowboys. Leonard Williams sent from the Jets to the Giants. There are a lot of other big names out there. The Broncos veteran cornerback, Chris Harris Jr., is an older guy, and the Broncos aren't going anywhere this year. So the Eagles, among many others, have inquired about him. But to this point, the asking price has been too high. The Cowboys have talked to the Jets about their safety, Jamal Adams. But again, to this moment, asking price too high. The uh, Washington has Trent Williams, their star left tackle, on the block. Remember, he's still holding out and hasn't played. You might as well get something for him if you can. So far... And uh, Joe Person of The Athletic mentioned left tackle as a need for your Carolina Panthers. So far, Washington's asking price has been too high. These deals often go down to the deadline. That deadline is a little bit more than one hour away. And, of course, once they happen, it does take a little while for news to trickle out. Elsewhere, Arizona is expected to keep their star cornerback, Patrick Peterson, uh, they have gotten a lot of calls, but according to ESPN, that ship has sailed is the quote. Uh, so there's all sorts of big names still worth watching, but the ones that have been on the move in most cases were reported prior to today. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Last call for phone calls. We'll be on the other side. We will have our final thoughts on the week to this point and the week that awaits us in the sports world. Must-see TV tonight for me includes World Series Game 6. The Astros can clinch what would be their second World Series title in the last three years. The Nationals can extend their season. And as strange as this might sound, the starting pitching matchup favors the Nationals. When Steven Strasburg went against the future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander in Game 2 in Houston... The Nationals won that game. Strasburg has been fantastic in this postseason for Washington. 4-0, sub-2 ERA. Justin Verlander has been erratic for Houston in this postseason. 1-3, 4-plus ERA, and those ugly career World Series numbers to boot. Does he change that narrative, Justin Verlander? By adding a World Series win, maybe a World Series clinching win, to a resume where he's won everything there else, else there is to win, but he has not yet won a single World Series game. He was with the Astros, of course, when they won it all two years ago. He's one of the big reasons they did win it all. But 0-5 with a near 6 ERA in his World Series starts, that is what is in play for Justin Verlander as he tries to seal the World Series victory on the home turf tonight in Houston. More on that matchup, other TV picks with your final run of phone calls. The future of college sports was tweaked with an announcement today. We'll see the devil in those details in the coming weeks and months. The Carolina Hurricanes are back on home ice. College football and the NFL are in the second half of their seasons for some, or the Panthers' case coming up upon the midway point of their 16-game regular season. They need a win over 4-4 four and four Tennessee just to get to 5-3 and three at that halfway point. Your questions and comments are welcome on those headlines of the day. That's as we come down the stretch next on The David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to Joe Person of The Athletic Carolina, Roddy Jones from the ACC Network for dropping by. TV picks tonight are plentiful. I was originally going to the Canes game as they host Bill Peters, Elias Lindholm, and the Calgary Flames. Family chaos. Maria is still in Prague, Czech Republic. My dog Oliver is sick. My daughter Avery is at a doctor's appointment and through the wonders of modern technology, I wonder how often this happens nowadays, while hosting a three-hour radio show, I was in communication with my daughter's doctor's office because with Maria in Prague, she shows up at 17 years old for an appointment. Maybe this happens a lot in the real world, but you can't be served, quote-unquote, at a doctor's office at under 18 without a parent confirming such things. Like, you have my permission to examine my daughter, etc. She also didn't have her insurance card. So in the course of hosting today's show, I took a photo of our insurance card and texted it. That worked. I signed something giving the doctor permission to examine my daughter. That also worked. Good luck to you tomorrow at your work of uh, place of work. I hope it is not as complicated as what, as what we just pulled off in the Glenn family today. I will be watching Calgary at Carolina, speaking of TV picks. Sad I won't see you all at PNC Arena, but family chaos, you know how it goes. Nationals Astros, now I'll be at home to enjoy Game 6 of the World Series. Steven Strasburg of Washington against Justin Ver Verlander in that breakdown I gave you earlier. If you're a soccer fan... You get the MLS semifinal, Seattle against LAFC tonight. That's a 10 o'clock start out west on ESPN. If you're a college hoops fan, the ACC season preview with the regular season one week away is on the ACC network tonight at 9. That's one of those previews they play a lot, but tonight at 9 will just be one of the many chances that you have to check it out. If you're an NBA fan, you have a doubleheader tonight on NBA TV, Atlanta at Miami. Chance to catch Vince Carter of the Hawks, still setting records in his early 40s against the better-than-expected Miami Heat in the early game. It will be the Memphis Grizzlies visiting LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the L.A. Lakers in the nightcap, 1030-ish on the NBA Network. So lots of cool options for you. I thank Bob in Chapel Hill for the best email on the future of college sports question of the day. Maybe I'll be able to get into that tomorrow. I might just pay Bob under the table and read his email. It'll be a heck of a segment because he put a lot of thought into it. Thanks to everybody who called and listened. You are an important part of the David Glenn Show, and we appreciate your presence for whatever part of those three-hour chunks you can give us Monday through Friday. We have Dave Dorn of the Wolfpack later this week, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest later this week, among a cast of dozens of luminaries from the sports world. Glad you were with us today. Hope to see you tomorrow. Enjoy the games tonight. Baseball, hockey, basketball, and otherwise. We're glad you were with us on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. Love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.